we're going to wake up punk with some wild men and we're going to pop to Araka after we visit Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. Another week, another Marvel release is all we're going to say. <laughs> it feels sure. like they are churning them back, out. Max. It's good to be back. It's good to be back in this Marvel. Things are good again. Oh, I miss Marvel movies and cinemas. I literally, it's a good one too. <sighs> I literally think that you came back to the country just so you could catch this screening, uh, which no I applaud you for. <laughs> Yeah, no, no joke. I thought I, I purposely timed my return so that I could go to like the week of release screening. I did not realise that they, they didn't because you couldn't plan it that they were going to delay the actual you know evening multimedia thing with the the events and the Avatar trailer. And by the way, have you seen the Avatar: The Way of Water trailer yet? I have not. No, not yet. I, I sat there in uh, Sydney World and Leicester Square on Tuesday night uh, to watch this inglorious. 4K 60 frame 3D or whatever it was with my glasses on and uh, sat there afterwards kind of my arms still crossed and went cool more Avatar anyway so Avatar's <laughs> coming out at the end of the year that's that's the big news they had an event for it right, in the Odeon everything. they showed the trailer three times to wow. an actual audience in, and there was better catering at the, tra- at the tra- uh, trailer screening than at the actual Doctor Strange one it was mystifying but uh, yeah James Cameron's back uh, the last time he made a sequel, it was a literal game changer and one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, prior to that, the, the only other sequel he did uh, was, uh, you know, another game changer and one of my favourite movies of all time. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to rewatch Avatar at some point this year. I'm not looking forward to it, Bex. But you know what? Um, let's talk about something a bit more current, though, for now. Let's talk about Wake Up Punk, new documentary from Nigel Askew, um, whose only other directorial credit, incidentally, is called No Future, a documentary about punk through the prism of Vivian Westwood. So imagine my surprise then that he's also the writer and director of Wake Up Punk, our new release, that basically explores, I think it's what is punk? to a contemporary Mm. audience. What function does punk serve? And again, viewed through the prism of Vivian Westwood and her family, more specifically, is it Joe Corey? Is that how we pronounce his name? Corey, yeah, I think so. I think it's Corey. Because I only know him as Malcolm McLaren's son and the founder of Agent Provocateur for somewhat obvious 90s throwback reasons. Um, And it is basically centering around the aftermath of when he set fire to five million quids worth of his dad's you know, uh, memorabilia uh, by the mm. side of the Thames as a demonstration, and effectively say how how punk stands in the modern day. Has it been corporatized? Has it been taken over? Have a listen for yourselves. When I was a young kid, my parents were considered as anti-establishment, as scum. It wasn't like it is now. My mother is a national treasure. We had T-shirts telling you how to make bombs. They didn't take them, they only took the sex <laughs> ones. And they said, if you do this anymore, you'll have to go to jail. Malcolm McLaren wanted to cause maximum chaos. He was just like a kid who wanted to take the bottom tin of beans from a supermarket display to see them tumble. Poor old Sid was his mother's victim. What's actually wrong with what I'm wearing? You, know, you look so bloody boring, I cannot believe it. Yeah, I agree with you. Wake up, punk. I would describe as a sprinkling of Vivian Westwood, a inkling of her son burning things, a <laughs> spatter of Dickensian weird children yes. talking about <laughs> like some weird steampunk style revolution that's going on and mapping it out. 
No, 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 that apparently, those are the words, apparently, of Malcolm McLaren. Like, they have right. literally had those Dickensian children, apparently, read the words of Malcolm McLaren. That is actually a thing, because according to the director's notes on this, it was the only way that they could think of to uh, authentically put his words across. And as Vivian Westwood herself says in the documentary, there was always something quite Dickensian about him. Right. Um, but it does... Which might like, be when... the... Go on. Yeah, well, like, the thing is, is that none of it gels together coherently. And this is the no. problem. No, it is no. as messy as the punk era was. And it it has no real structure and form that pulls it all together. Because from one moment, you're up in a, in a I suppose, loft, beautiful sort of skyscraper apartment bit with Vivian Westwood and her two sons talking about the punk era where she occasionally goes through a couple of her clothes across to a talk <laughs> at something like the BFI where people yeah. are shouting across other punks because that's what punks do. And then you're cutting to her son uh, burning some stuff. It just doesn't make sense. And I found it a real shame because I was so excited to, to see Vivian Westwood and, and, you know, and to really understand this movement. Mm. But this is the thing, because it comes at a strange time as well, because we had supposedly the, the, the big Westwood documentary only a couple of years ago. I don't think we got to review it. It was a heavy week or something that week. Um, this feels very much like a family vanity project. Um, Nigel asked you having the access and connection to, to you know, Westwood and Corey, et cetera, that he does, does seem to be the genesis behind this. I mean, don't quote me. I'm, I'm relatively sure if you looked into this, there's some arts funding somewhere in the background, <laughs> you know, you, if you look into, I bet you any money. But for me, it just it felt like vanity. It felt like yeah. you're trying to make a point that you yourself stand in stark opposition to. It is very hard to take Joe Corre seriously when he talks yeah. about being for the people and what punk means. When he stood there doing it in a suit that costs more than my car. You know what I yeah. mean? It, it, it's really hard. And, and I've always had that issue with Vivian Westwood anyway. A woman whose clothing line, you know, breaches, breaches more than a few sustainability, uh, you know, morality uh, lines. And yet we'll still stand there and tell you how to save the world. I have fundamental issues with all of this. But the, the biggest one is I don't think the film is very good. I don't think it's informative no. or anything like that. I don't think it makes anywhere near a point. It, it's trying to, but it keeps flailing on what that point is and ultimately arrives at none. So yeah. congratulations. Here's a family vanity project with a with an appearance by Alan Jones. So, hey, Alan, good to see you, buddy. I had no idea he was in this. Literally, text Gilbert and asked, is that Mark? Anyway, um, and, and a half-decent soundtrack. But other than that, one for the fans only, the completists, I would say. Yeah, the completists. And if you've got any sort of inkling as to what, uh, or interest as to what Ed Tudorpole looks like post Crystal Maze, <laughs> yeah. uh, then you'll be able to see he has oh, not yeah. aged well. <laughs> no, 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 he has not. Anyway, okay, no. let's let's talk about something a little bit more fun. Then let's talk about Wild Men. I've got to get through Wild okay. Men re really quick. So Wild Men, which was presented to me as a sort of bro comedy, and it kind of is, it kind of is not. So this is what I can only describe as a, as a sort of madcap, blackly comedic, survivalist adventure drama that follows uh, follows a man named Martin. I'm having trouble getting IMDb up on my screen for some reason. Stop giving me my cast list. Um, it has, has Martin as a, he's a sort of down, he's not really down, down his little but more downtrodden, sort of happily married, seemingly happily married, husband, father, you know, worker. One day snaps, decides he's had enough, he can't take this anymore. Modern life is too stifling. He's going to go and live in the forest, like men used to, in solitude. So he goes and does exactly that. 
But he's not there five minutes before he needs food. So he goes to the nearby petrol station, but of course doesn't have his wallet. So he winds up through a misunderstanding, accidentally robbing the place. Then, by complete coincidence, crosses paths with a random stranger who happens to have injured his leg, who also happens to be on the run from a drug a drug bust gone wrong. And the pair wind up on a madcap trek across the snowy mountains in search of a sort of throwback, technologically phobic uh, settlement based on the Vikings settled in the in the, the mountains between Norway and Denmark. We've not got a, cli- a clip of this for obvious linguistic reasons. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Right, I've got the list up now. Uh, Rasmus Björk, that's his name, and Zaki Youssef. Right, so uh, Rasmus Björk plays Martin, and uh, Musa, who's the guy who comes along... Uh, who's come from the drug bust uh, is played by Zaki Youssef right central to this as well and I'm going to have to bring this up for when they do the inevitable English language remake I think it's uh, is it Bjorn Sunquist? I think it's Bjorn Sunquist, who is the, uh, the the police officer tasked with chasing them absolute scene stealer when this gets remade in the English language, can we please have Tommy Lee Jones in this role? Right, I'm just telling you now, this is like Danish Tommy Lee Jones. It's incredible. Tommy Lee Jones would win an Oscar for this role in English language remake. First of all, the film is hilarious. It is sarcastic, it is cynical, it is satirical, it is dark-hearted. But at the second time, it has a point. And it has things to say. And it does kind of, uh, it, it treads up to the, the the line of, let's start exploring toxic masculinity. Doesn't quite go far enough into that for my liking, but it it does at least address certain facets, name, namely that it's all nonsense and we'd be better off without it. Uh, but you should work around it. It does also play like a sort of loose, almost Danish remake of 1997's Tim Robin Martin Lawrence comedy, Nothing to Lose. Up until, in fact, including the final sort of 10, 15 minutes, in which this goes what I can only describe as very, very Danish if you know what I mean. You know, like, you, you get any... A Danish children's movie will devolve in the last 15 minutes to write, I'm going to kill you, you go and kill that guy. That kind of thing. The same kind of thing here, but very much like Nothing to Lose, this is an, a, an underrated gem, an, 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 under, an underseen gem, as far as I can tell so far. Seek out Wild Men this weekend. I thought it was an absolute hoot. I will watch this again, and I know I will wind up watching again, because it's going to wind up getting remade into the English language in a minimum three years. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're keeping you in the cinemas and we've got another documentary for you, which is a bit more put together than Wake Up Punk. It is Arica, um, which is the story of um, the shipment from a, from a Swedish company of essentially toxic sludge across... Mm, smelting, to, smelting sludge, isn't Smelting it? sludge, yeah, mm. to a, a town in Chile called Arica, which has had a knock-on effect of causing... Well, of it basically not being contained and therefore causing d- dire illness and problems for thousands of, I suppose, sort of uh, lower class citizens who mm-hmm. are having to have been 
having to be been placed in Arica as a means of where to live. So a really harrowing story, a really terrible, terrible tale that has unfolded of this. Not too dis- different from Dark Waters, in a way. I was um, going to say, yeah, we've we've seen uh, dramatic tellings of stories like this, and you, th- uh, you know, of, of you know environmental contaminations by big big corporations on the little guys. So it's the kind of thing we've seen done in fiction through Dark Water and Aaron Brockovich, for instance, definitely. Mm, yeah, and you know, this is like when you hear it from like obviously the people themselves and their lack of understanding, like they were talking about how their kids would play in essentially the piles of sludge because they didn't know anything different. Mm. You know, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, the amount of cancer and other illnesses that were caused as a result of it and how it was kind of covered up. And also, I think when you bring in certain Swedish members of the company from back in the 80s back now it's it's Bolliden is it Bolliden Bolliden yeah yeah Yeah, Bolliden energy it's 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 the the reaction I I remember there's one Mm. slightly older gentleman who you know they the filmmaker asks him is it do you feel responsible and he's kind of like yes and no but it's horrible to hear this and you can see him like obviously very very emotional about this but it's almost too little too late in a way so it's it's not an easy watch it's it's a hard watch it's it's in swedish and also um i suppose is it spanish is that the the, the language of chile i'm not sure um but uh, it's, I, I, it's... I believe I believe it is Spanish. Um, it's interesting that the that it's been released this week. Um, last week's uh, John Oliver story, for instance, was on environmental race. Sorry, this week's John Oliver story was on environmental racism, uh, for mm. instance, and how uh, different communities of different classes and races are treated to different levels of environmental protection. And this does touch on that. It's an issue that has been has been growing. It's I mean it's been around for time and memorial since environmentalism has. But in recent years, the issue has come up again, specifically as regards nuclear waste, uh, plastic recycling, for instance, that you see a lot of footage of, for instance, landfills in the Philippines and things like that, of supposedly recyclable plastic that is really all just dumped, that really is eternal waste and simply will not ever biodegrade that's going to be around, you know, long after we are but dust. And it's it's interesting timing to see a documentary come along that tackles that head on. And also one that's actually happening directly alongside legal action for it, because more often than not, it's the legal cases come before or after we get the documentary that we have got this effectively student activist piece recorded as part of the trial. He actually even becomes a sort of tangential part of it at one stage. It's quite fascinating stuff. So it's Lars, uh, Lars Edmund, who I think is the guy who appears in the film, he appears on camera, and uh, William Johansson. And this has been their crusade for a long time to actually see the differences that actually do get made as they go along. It, it, it ultimately, it's, it's an incremental victory. They, they do seem to, to get, gain incrementals rather than, than large chunks. But it's, uh, it's, it's a harrowing story, but there are glimmers mm. of hope in there as well at the same time. But it is mostly about just how depraved this corporation really is. Yeah, and I think it's a, an important documentary to watch for awareness around this. You know, mm-hmm. it's quite easy for us to just not know that this has been going on, but it's still very much... Is something that is affecting these people because essentially what happened was, you know, it was a bit of a derelict wasteland, which might have been part of the reason why they they moved it, uh, moved this sludge to this part of Chile. But then, someone, one government, decided to then build like lower class housing <laughs> yeah. on there. Uh, and like 200 meters away or something from, from yeah. toxic material, and and the 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 lies that we actually 
witness mm. get put out before put out to the world are astonishing. I mean, this this yeah. this is angering stuff, essential and angering. I would say, but do watch mm. it. It's called Arica. Uh, it's out. It's out today. Um, absolutely worth seeing. So Lars Edmund yeah. and uh, William Johansson. There, a really great documentary. Let's move on then to unarguably the biggie of the week. This has already been in cinemas for 24 hours at the time of this episode's release, by the way, so it's out as of recording. Um, so this is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, directed not by returning director Scott, Derrick- Scott Derrickson, who stays on as a producer, uh, but by Derrickson's uh, uh, real-life friend, Sam Raimi, who has returned to making a Marvel movie for the first time since Spider-Man 3 in wow. 2007. So, you know, a not-so-triumphant send-off back in 2007. Fifteen years later, has he been received any better? Right, so Doctor St- we'll find out. So Doctor Strange is back. This time, our favourite former Sorcerer Supreme, because as we learned in Spider-Man No Way Home, it turns out that if you get thanos away for five years, you lose your job title. Someone else has <laughs> to inherit it. So Benny Wong... Uh, got it in the in, in Spider-Man. He's now basically adjunct and sidekick to the Sorcerer Supreme, but he finds himself tasked with protecting uh, a, t- a teenage girl named America Chavez, played by uh, Zuchel Gomez, uh, who has the ability to cross between universes, to cross between parallel dimensions, parallel realities. So the multiverse, where any decision that can be made has been made in a different universe, becomes available to us as Doctor Strange has to effectively lead America Chavez, his teenage sort of protectee slash ward, on a journey to escape a would-be Terminator with designs, a would-be supernatural Terminator with designs on murdering her and stealing her powers, as you can hear here. Every night, I dream the same dream. I did what I had to do to protect our world. You opened the doorway between universes. Then the nightmare began. But I never meant for any of this. You cannot control everything strange. With Marvel, I think the thing that they always get quite right is that they're not DC brooding or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They're very much there's the the real balance of humor that makes it really memorable and they they do that so well. This feels darker. Uh, Is it? It is darker, but it's darker in the way that, for instance, if you saw the recent series, What If? Uh, for example, on Disney Plus, like that, basically. Imagine that being done in live action. And it turns out that if you were going to do that, there's only one man alive suited to that job. Welcome back, Sam. Oh, my God, it's good to see Sam (laughs) Raimi making a superhero movie. It's so good. The movie's so, so good. First of all, yes, it comes perilously close to being the first out-and-out Marvel horror movie. does. It really does, because the multiverse itself is quite, quite horror you know, by horrorish by sort of concept. Um, the way that they explore it is as well. Um, there's loads. Say, it's not as fan servicey as you might think from its marketing. Like they, it has, and 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 the fan the fanfare around it does seem to be like, oh, this is, we're gonna get this, we're gonna get this, and it's not about that. There are some of those things in there. 
cool. And the trailer has revealed, the marketing has revealed a fair few of them. We won't go into them here. I'm just going to say that when they start turning up at the premiere, the game might be up. But, you know, maybe don't invite them to the premiere if you want to keep it secret. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anyway, um, there is there, there are moments like that that I never expected to see in any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, but we'd already crossed that bridge with No Way Home. Um mm. Cumberbatch is good fun, as he always is in this role. He seems to be very much comfortable in that part now. And he should yeah. be. He's had like six goes at it now. So he's had six feature films, I think, five or six feature films to be this character. And I'm reasonably sure he's acclimatized to playing the character. As always, Benedict Wong is the scene stealer. Uh, I very much enjoyed uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, Zochel Gomez, I thought, was very good as a sort of a spy... Uh, as, as they're doing with all of these movies now, where they're setting up a crop of new young Avengers. I don't know if you've mm. noticed this, but we keep mm. getting new younger superheroes being rostered up in all like Ms. Marvel is starting on Disney Plus in a few weeks. And oh, they're just finding like as many ways to expand the franchise as possible. It's kind of like, and, you know, you've had yeah. generation one, now we've got to move on to generation two, three, yeah. four, five, and ten. <laughs> Rightly, rightly so. Bring Ant Man's daughter into it. Why not? Recast her as <laughs> Catherine Newton. Fine. That bit irks me a little bit, but sure. Um, this, I say, good fun. I had a blast with it. I think it feels like a Sam Raimi movie through and through. It does feel like a Doctor Strange sequel as well. It doesn't feel like this big, weird fanboy mashup thing that they seem to want it to be on Twitter. Um, there is stuff, though, in that regard, like I say. But at the same time, trippy set pieces, as you would expect from a strange movie. The plot is good, engaging, goes places you don't quite expect it to. And, uh, well, I mean, there's a couple of moments that brought the house down in our screening. And it, come, it, it comes with an ending that you only get to pull off if your name is Sam Raimi. It also has, on a, few, on, on a couple of occasions... Uh, one of those signature, one of those Sam Raimi signatures. It, it's a cameo, it's all I'm going to say. There's a Sam Raimi signature in there. Uh, it's unique to Sam Raimi movies. It's not a Marvel thing. It's unique to Sam Raimi movies. And again, in my screening, brought the house down. Well done, Sam. Uh, so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, absolutely worth the wait, absolutely worth the trip to the cinema, and absolutely banging sequel. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're moving you from the big screen down to the small screen with your seven-day guide of all your top movies on your telly box. And wow, your Friday night is kicking off with a bang because we've got at 10.45 p.m. on ITV tonight is Speed. Yep, we've got the need for speed. We've got Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, and a bus that won't stop moving. I mean, love this movie. Who doesn't? You just did it right there. Every time you have to describe the plot of Speed, pretty much everyone now, instinctively, whether they realise it or not, uses the way, uses the exact way that Homer Simpson describes the plot of Speed, which is, I think they called it, the bus that couldn't slow down. Yeah. Um, it's perfect, isn't it? It's the bus that, once it hits 50 miles an hour, can't go below 50, or it blows up. What's not to love in a high-octane 1994 Yanderbon actioner, starring at, well, top of his 90s game, well top of his first phase of his career we'll say Keanu exactly. Reeves because no, he's, he's at three phases now of his career I think. yeah yeah we're in the third phase of the Keanu-sons we had the we had the point break speed era we had mm -hmm. the, the 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 matrix trilogy era and now we're in the John Wick era those are the three mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves eras I mean technically the first one I think should be the Bill and Ted era really Bill and Ted speed era we call it that 
and it ends with speed. Yeah. Anyway, it's either point. Speed, absolute banger, and still a great. It still holds up. It still thrills. It still works. Big as well. like, on a tech level, the movie still works, strangely, even all this time later. Uh, 10.45, as you say, tonight on ITV, Bex. Um, one that we've got a clip for next, and this is a hell of a movie for Saturday night. And I've been wanting to revisit this for a while. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, 2013, stars uh, Jake Hall. Stars Paul Dano riding high off the off the Joker, the Riddler, right now, more or less the Joker, and uh, Hugh Jackman. Of course, it is of course Prisoners. Remember this one? I haven't seen this, and I keep You've seen it, this it's one? on my list. No, it's on I my thought, list. And I thought because of your love of Sicario was because of this. It was a Prisoners, very much in that whole in that whole. Oh, this is how you make a thriller from back in the early 2010s. You know, wound up giving us like Sicario. This is where Villeneuve starts cutting his teeth, and uh, basically uh, Hugh Jackman is the uh, you know the ordinary you know suburban dad whose uh, daughter goes missing, and the police think they found a suspect, but it's not. They can't prove that it's him, so they let him go. But Jackman's pretty convinced they got the right guy, even if they can't prove it. There's a bag of lie in your basement. It's half empty. Your wife thinks you've been helping us. And we both know that's not true. I used the lie to bury our dog last year. And helping the cops sounds better than I've been driving aimlessly in my truck because I don't know what the f else to do. Is that what we were doing last Saturday night? Probably. Am I a suspect? No, no, I'm only asking. I'm only asking because you assaulted a man who's now missing. I heard about that. What happened to him? I thought you had him under surveillance. I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that you're asking me because you have no idea. No, I didn't think it was something I could get away with. So there we go. Prisoners, I look forward to watching that. It is 9pm on Great Movies on Saturday night. Moving on to Sunday, though, we've got Catherine Bigelow, Jeremy Renner, and a whole load of bombs. It is <laughs> The Hurt Locker, 10pm <laughs> on BBC Two. And, yeah, the Oscar-winning movie that it was that year was kind of a david and goliath movie because she was up against at the oscars david cameron uh not david cameron james david cameron, cameron what am i on about david very cameron interesting, very interesting like, battle if she fought very david interesting cameron. battle i, mean, I, I would <laughs> watch the hell out of Catherine <laughs> beating the crap out of david cameron all i'm saying i just knew that 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 um, didn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> james cameron yeah, her ex-husband, so James Cameron. Mm. She was up against him. I can't remember what he was, what Avatar. he was up for. Was it Avatar that year? I believe um, it was Avatar that year. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So I, I, I think it's it's a fantastic movie. I think well deserving of all of the uh, all of the brilliant. Um, accolades that it received and i think you guys will really enjoy revisiting it 10 p.m bbc2 on sunday and moving on to tuesday oh, we done, we've not done monday monday night have we how can i skip starship troopers starship troopers is on a monday night you know i'll drop this in every single time it's on every time it's on telling we've got nothing else to watch because that's how often i'll actually watch starship troopers i love starship troopers paul verhoeven's 1997 adaptation of the uh, of the highlight is Robert Heinlein's novel, um, The Starship Troopers. Uh, absolutely banging movie, very much in vain with, uh, very much in the, in the sort of same vibe as his Robocop and Total Recall and pretty much his early 90s work. Keep Keeping that going, this kind of eschews the faux gloss of, of Showgirls for something a bit more traditionally Verhoeven. Obviously, Benedetta came out a few weeks ago, so we know he's mm. not really skipped a step in his older years. Uh, but go and watch 
the great fascist parable war movie of Paul Verhoeven. It's so good. It's Soldiers versus Alien Bugs by Paul Verhoeven. The effects still hold up to this day. This, uh, it was, this was meant to be a complete disaster when it was coming out. Turned out to be absolutely brilliant. 1997 Starship Troopers, 11.20, Monday night on Paramount, which, of course, then takes us on to a movie I know you've seen, Bex. I don't think you liked the uh, the 60 frames a second when this came out. Oh, no. was terrible. Yeah. At 9pm, film four then, Tuesday night. Tell us about Gemini Man, Bex. Remember this? So, yeah, I do. So Ang Lee, right, brilliant filmmaker, always likes to push the boundaries of it. And, you know, and I think really is someone who we admire in so many different ways. Life of Pi was amazing, obviously Broke That Mountain, other great movies. But sometimes he just pushes it too far for the sake of it. And Gemini Man is a great example of him just pushing the tech too far. Will Smith versus a younger Will Smith. And mm. it just doesn't work. You look like, it's the same problems I had with The Hobbit where they ran it in too high a frame rate, where you just yeah. look like you're watching a rehearsal. Um, it's really, really odd. Now seems like a good time, an opportune moment to mention that uh, all four of the upcoming Avatar sequels will be in 120 frames a second. Oh, so they God. will be in an even higher frame rate. Um, yeah. It, uh, by the way, also, before we cue the click, I'm just going to point out my absolute, my absolute horror. The, the lack of love for Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. Clearly the worst movie any mainstream <laughs> studio director has ever put out. And a demonstration of why you really shouldn't use high frame rates in a movie. But you know what? Here's Will Smith slapping himself. I'm guessing 19, 20 years old, the first time he ordered you to shoot a person. 25 years ago, he took my blood. He made you from me. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You're just trying to rattle me. I'm trying to save you. You know who is the best? You know who is the best? Arnie's the best ah. in The Running Man that's happening on Wednesday at 10pm on Paramount. Um, <laughs> I've just got in my mind a little, like a greased up Arnie <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> like, that is, I haven't watched this since the 80s, right? So I can't even tell you what The Running Man is about anymore. But all oh, I remember is the most vivid image is him just really... Yeah. Greased it's up. the dystopian reality show. It's like the the dystopian Is it future. Like Tron? Where they're kind of they're on a reality show where they have to literally fight for their freedom, and and Arnie's the guy that goes along. Absolute corker. Like I say, bears next to no resemblance, I think, to the Stephen King novel. I think this is one of the Richard Bachman books, actually, when Stephen King was trying a, a fake name for a few years. And he got very annoyed that someone outed him. Uh, the Running Man, best remembered for that moment in which, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger talks to him, I'm going to pull out pull out your damn spine! Love that moment. <laughs> um, almost as quotable, in fact, as our final offering for the week. A movie that Will Smith turned down famously, uh, because it turns out there are some things he won't do on camera. Django Unchained is on Thursday night, 10 p.m. on Five Star. This was an Oscar contender in what year was this? I want to say 2013, 2014. Yeah, you wouldn't be far off, I don't think. Yeah, no? I always get confused between release date and Oscar times. It's obviously like maybe sometimes it's like a year later. But um, Django Unchained, I, I really enjoyed it. I think 
Jamie Foxx, is it Jamie Foxx and Tarantino? Yeah, movie? Jamie Foxx. I, I don't know where it sits in my ranking of Tarantino movies. I'm much more of an old school Tarantino movie lover than this I am. This is the halfway mark stuff. for me. This is the mm. halfway mark for me with the Tarantino roster. And like in the lower half is where I have like Inglorious and Jackie Brown and uh, yeah, really. It. I suppose this would technically be in the lower half because obviously got to be ten. I think there's ten Tarantino films. The, the next one's the tenth. The next one the tenth. Yeah, was Hollywood so. the tenth? Was Hollywood the tenth? His tenth. No, I think this next one is going to be his tenth and last. He's ending, he's ending on the tenth, isn't it? That's what he's. That's what yeah. he's supposedly doing. But you can, alas, see his. I want to say seventh, although I could <laughs> be wrong. Sixth, seventh. We can keep the numbers going. Django Unchained, starring Jamie Fox and the brilliant Christoph Waltz, opposite, of course, the scene stealing Leonardo DiCaprio. Was it you had you you had my uh, you, you had my attention now you had, now had my interest now you have my attention I believe is the term and you can you give this your attention interest. you <laughs> have my interest that was it uh, you can you can see it for yourself at 10 p.m. Thursday night on Five Star. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now in our final block of brilliant movies, we are taking you to everything that is in between your DVD streaming and Blu-ray. And we are starting on with something that is available as of today, uh, which is Me Earl and the Dying Girl, available on Disney+. Plus. Now, I remember going to see this screening and really hyping it up for, to be the next big sort of quirky movie. And I was, remember being really disappointed by this. That it really? Was kind I of thought just... it was the next big quirky movie for me. Well, it just didn't really work for me. I found it really... Uh, maybe, look, the whole thing is, is that I do not like movies that don't have like a climactic ending to them. They, they go, go nowhere in a way. I mean, this one kind of plodded along. Some, some movies have to be true to life. I mean... I mean, yeah. that's what famously happened when they tried the original ending of Clerks. People didn't buy it because the whole movie was meant to be so kind of this takes place in the real world and Dante getting killed at the end just didn't make a whole heap of sense. They just had him shut the shop and go home. And it tested better, very famously. Sometimes the basic real way kind of is the best way to go, but this movie did at least give us Thomas Mann and RJ Siler and Olivia Cook, so it's a hotbed of future yeah. talent in there. I mean, obviously Thomas Mann goes on to like Skull Island and RJ Siler becomes a Power Ranger and Olivia Cook goes and plays Ready Player, she becomes Player 2 in Ready Player 1. I think this is a, a really great, a really great sort of indie drama about, it's, it's about Thomas Mann's character, Greg, and he befriends the dying girl of the, mm. the, the title and it's all about their friendship and their relationship. But the scene stealer for me and the whole reason it's worth streaming this today on Disney Plus. It's Disney Plus, isn't it? We have this on, you know, Dying Girl. It's Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, the scene stealer, whole reason to see the movie. John Bernthal as the school guidance counselor. Worth the movie on his own. I'm going to say no more. Watch the movie. Watch it for that reason. You will thank me. Which takes us on to Amazon Prime then. Also today. And, uh, well... Chris Pike is back on the Bridge of the Enterprise on TV this week. So Chris Pine is going to, to Amazon Prime. He's starring in The Contractor. See what I did there? Because uh, it's funny that the actual yeah, catch of the yeah, Enterprise yeah. and the actor of the other catch of the Enterprise have the same name. I see but that. With, one, with one character difference. Um, <laughs> incidentally, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I watched the pilot. Incredible. It's like Netflix is lost in space, but popcornia. I love it. Anson Mount. <laughs> Rockstar. Uh, the Contractor, starring Chris Pine, though, does not star Anson Mount. Um, that is out on Amazon Prime from today. This was getting quite buzzy in the action circles as kind of a stripped-down Jack Ryan-y type thriller. The kind of... One of those films that we sort of file under this is the kind of thing we say we want. Like a star-driven 
nuts and bolts action thriller, kind of like Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth did with Extraction mm. over on Netflix last year. This, um, <coughs> sorry, this also stars the likes of Gillian Jacobs. Uh, he stars as a special forces sergeant who uh, basically has to go and rescue his, his family. It's like I say, it's very gritty, kind of. All- Kind of a Taylor Sheridan-y kind of a thing, but with a sort of armed force. But Pete, Peter Berg. I think Peter Berg actually would be a better way to describe it. Kind of like a Peter Berg movie. So that's called The Contractor, and you can see that on Amazon Prime from today. One that you shouldn't miss, though. I have seen it, I'll tell you, you absolutely mm. shouldn't miss. On Netflix, from tomorrow, it's the sequel to The Shining. We just mentioned Ready Player One. There was a whole thing about The Shining around the time because we were getting a sequel shortly afterwards. Ready Player One had recreated The Overlook. And then, of course, we had the actual sequel that had to recreate The Overlook. So, Doctor Sleep starring Ewan McGregor and from evidently Wunderking, Stephen King adapter, director Mike Flanagan, who just seems to be the guy you go to. He's the director you go to if you want to adapt a Stephen King property. Get Mike Flanagan to do it, please. Or mm-hmm. forevermore. Um, he also did Gerald's Game, I think, before this. But this is Ewan McGregor as the grown-up Danny from The Shining who finds himself having to protect a young girl. It's pretty much the plot of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, actually. <laughs> to protect the young girl who also has the power of The Shining and to keep her from falling into the forces of malevolent vampires who wish to consume her power for themselves. When I was a kid, there was a place dark place they closed it down and let it rot but the things that live there they come back and rebecca ferguson with her uh, like absolutely scene stealing uh, vampire hat on yes literally the hat <laughs> the scene stealing <laughs> <In this> movie. <laughs> hat <laughs> yeah but actually she's brilliant in it I, I actually really really like this I know it got a few mixed mixed reviews when it came out but I was like do you know what who else is going to try and do a, you know a sequel to The Shining and do it this well I thought it was brilliant so if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth your time and Ewan McGregor's excellent in it as well moving on to uh, Sunday on Amazon Prime as well we have Hairspray, something totally different to Doctor Sleep. Oh, yeah. Um, you're all singing, all dancing movie with Zac Efron. Uh, is John Travolta in it as the... As, John Travolta uh, in drag, in drag. remember. Yeah, John yeah. Travolta's the one in drag in this. Is he Edna? Edna Turnblad, Edna. I want to say? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I just... It, it's one of the most deranged things you've ever seen. Just John Travolta as... Ed, it, it, it's absurd and yet it somehow just about works with the tone of the movie like this is i think also you know, i think this you can't was the stop big, the beat uh, <laughs> you, you can't i think this is the big this is not the big break for zach efron after uh high school musical so he appeared Maybe, in high school musical yeah. then this kind of propels him forward a bit more and then he gets the high school musical sequels and he becomes the big value star but i think uh, amanda Bynes is a figure a, a, a prominent figure in this you've got christopher walken as well. I think Molly Shannon's in there. Is Molly Shannon in there? I feel like Molly it's Shannon's basically in there an all-star ensemble romp through a ruddy good time. Uh, it's it's you know what, you've got to be a certain kind of customer to want to watch this, right? You've got to love musicals. <laughs> you know, you gotta you've got to have had some empathy for prom when that came out on Netflix. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff, isn't it? But for me, it's not really my tempo, if I'm completely honest, but I'll, I'll give it another watch. It's see, not mine either, it... but I've not seen it in the 15 years since it came yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. So I might whack it on one day, see what happens. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that's one that you might avoid whacking on, but based on the review that I think Van gave it a few few weeks ago, is Uncharted. Uh, Tom Holland, video game adaptation, available on DVD and Blu-ray as of Monday. Um, I still have not had the displeasure because you basically rated it so low, so I was like, I'm not going to waste my time. It's not that even this is especially bad. It's just it's a very perfunctory film. Everything about it feels perfunctory. You could, I mean, it's less uncharted, more unnecessary. I mean, most of it is just, I've seen the trailer for the video game, so I've seen this exact scene as it was meant to be depicted. I've seen it completely computer-generated and rendered. Why do I now need to see it computer-generated and rendered with one human being green-screened into the center of it? Like, what need is there for that? That's why I don't quite understand why they keep trying to make video games into movies. If you're going to do something different with them, cool. If you're only going to show me the same stuff, why? I've already seen it. I mean, give yeah. it up to Doctor Strange this week for at least showing me things I genuinely have never seen in a movie before. Like, I've never, ever seen this. Like, great. Video game stuff? Like, come on. Like, you're literally removing one computer-generated character and swapping them out with one green-screened-in actor. What's the point? Anyway, yeah, I'm that's with my you. thoughts I'm with on, you. On, on Uncharted and uh, most of video game movies, if we're being honest. Um, I, I still think uh, probably the best one ever is probably going to be Rampage. I still think Rampage is probably the best video game movie ever, the Dwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the gorilla yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm that with has you. I'm with you. to do with its own plot because the original game had no plot. Yeah, just know what you are and don't try and be something <laughs> you're not. Just that, yeah, it's like. And uh... you know what? You know what I'd also say. Well, I'd also say, Van, is have a little respect, a little R E S P E C T, right? <laughs> in, indeed, as you can indeed find on Amazon Prime from from Tuesday, we had really big hopes for this as well, didn't we? Uh, we thought this this had all the potential to be the next big like Oscar biopic, didn't it? Yeah, I think I think Jennifer Hudson had had big hopes for it as well. Didn't quite I think fail. the studio did when they hired Jennifer Hudson? So this is of course the Aretha Franklin biopic starring Jennifer Hudson. That uh, as you can tell from our tone, it's all right, but it's just nothing groundbreaking. It's very very seen it all before, and of course it has that. Well, I'm trying to remember what the hell Kermod calls. It. I think he calls it the chubby hmm moment uh, so here is your chubby <laughs> hmm moment from respect just a little bit just a little bit go a third below Carolyn. just a little bit yeah just a little bit yeah just a little bit yeah. just a little bit just a little bit yeah baby just a little What the hell? It's almost 3 a.m. Well, the writing hit some. It's Otis Redding's song. Just a little bit. <laughs> hey, remember that last Poirot adaptation, that last Agatha Christie movie when they gave a whole origin story to Poirot's mustache? That almost seems <laughs> strained in hindsight. Anyway, Respect is available <laughs> on Amazon Prime Tuesday, May the 10th, which rounds off our week, actually. And we've just mentioned Zac, Zac Efron a few minutes ago in Hairspray. He's back in cinemas uh, this next week in a horror remake, would you believe? One oh. a remake. Yes. Firestarter. Did you just connect the dots as to which Firestarter? Yes, that Firestarter. Not the Prodigy you know Fire pick you would hope for. 
I know. Do you know what? I saw a trailer and I wasn't properly watching it. And I mm. thought I saw Zac Efron and I was like, yeah. no, he's not in this horror. Yeah. And you've just confirmed it. Okay. Yeah. Zac Efron is the dad in a remake of the 80s Drew oh Barrymore Stephen King adaptation, Firestarter. It's out next week. I've still yet to hear he's anything He's the about dad. He's the dad. Zach Efron oh is now God. old enough to be the sexy dad in movies. Can you believe we've lived this long? Anyway, I'm also so in cinemas next week is Vortex, the new movie from Gaspar Noé. So who knows what to expect on that one. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is back in what James King described to me as a very, very Catholic movie. Father Stu. I had the chance to see this in the US and I didn't get to go. I, I know... James was going to the screen, I texted him, what was it like? He's like, all I'll say is, it's just so Catholic. Um, because, and the reason I didn't get to see it is because I used my chance in the States to pop to a cinema and see a movie that then did not have a UK release date. It does now, it's out next week. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. It stars Michelle Yeoh, and oh my God, you brace yourself back. Oh my God, you don't know what you're in for. Uh, in yeah, fact, the worst, the worst thing I can say about Doctor Strange this week is it's what you get if you combine everything everywhere all at once straight up with uh, close Rick counters of the Rick kind from Rick and Morty. If you smash those two together, literally Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But even that's not quite as good as everything everywhere all at once, which we'll talk about next week along with everything else. We are here each and every week bringing you the big movies on the big screen, the small screen and everything in between. But for now... I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. 